0: <laughs> but anyway, Jesus is Lord over it all, and we're we're so glad we went to a um, a birthday party last night of some one of our dear friends uh, who God has blessed to turn seventy years old, and uh, saw so many wonderful people, and uh, thank God I was able to remember. All of those names of those wonderful and blessed people from Winston first who we hadn't seen in five years, but God uh, allowed us to visit with him a little bit last night. So anyway, um, God is good. This morning I'm going to to go on in identifying the process and uh, I'm going to show you something today that I began to talk to you about probably three or four months ago that um, um, when i was going through the process of the covenant which i've not finished yet but i'm going to finish as soon as the lord leads Uh, and today we're going to see how the identification with the process leads us right back to the covenant it leads us right back to understanding what agreement is so uh, stand in honor the reading of God's word. Today we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 54, and the key text to that comes from Isaiah 54.10, and that's where we're going to believe. We're going to uh, begin. For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from thee, neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed, saith the Lord that hath mercy on thee. Now I want you to see that scripture. Neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed. Everybody say that with me. Neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed. Then finish it. Saith the Lord that hath mercy on thee. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We pray today that you will open our eyes, that we can see in our ears, that we can hear in our heart, that we can understand what the Word of God is saying to us. Then, as that happens, may we apply it to our lives so that we can be changed into the image of your dear Son. Now, Father, we surrender ourselves, yield ourselves, and sanctify ourselves to the work of the Holy Spirit, because it's through the Holy Spirit that as we inquire of you, that Jesus is speaking, and the Holy Spirit then is sharing with us the direct details that come from the throne room of God that will give us the ability to apply it to our lives. We surrender ourselves, our faculties, to hear the voice of the Spirit of God because it is Jesus that is speaking the details of life. Bless your people, I pray, today as we are changed and transformed by the Word of God. In the name of Jesus Christ, our High Priest, Lord and God, amen and amen, and you may be seated. Things in the material world will change. Well, we know that to be the fact, don't we? Things in the material world will change. People's attitudes will change. The way people treat one another will change. The problems of life will increase and become more transparent and apparent. But your God will never change. He's not a changeable God. He said, I'm the Lord and I change not. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. We live in a world of course as no one needs to lament any further than to say it's a it's a troubled world why is that world troubled why is that world at odds with itself why are there so many dissenting opinions and different ideas and different beliefs And even people in the church world who do not see eye to eye on how things ought to be done. Well, when we come to Isaiah 53, we found out that we were able to identify with the cross. And the man on the cross, and even greater, we found out that the man on the cross who identified the forgiveness of our transgression iniquity and brought us peace, by His stripes we're healed, dealt directly to the sheep that had gone astray, and allowed us to identify directly with Him. Now we come to Isaiah chapter 54, and in Isaiah chapter 54, the Bible is beginning to teach us about the covenant that is between the identification of those who are the sheep that have gone astray and the man on the cross. Now, as we went through Isaiah 53, we saw the, the, the prophecy of Isaiah tell us about Jesus Christ, the high priest and the Lord, and we taught you on that already. Now he goes over and he begins to talk about the church, the church. And he says to the church now that you have identified with me, your identification is going to come through a covenant that is never going to be removed it's going to be a covenant of peace now in the greek the word peace means prosperity now you're about to say to me as you look at me out the side of your eye like this oh my he's gonna preach on everybody getting rich he's gonna tell us all how to give money so that we can all be wealthy And I would say to you, not. That's not what the Word of God is talking about. The peace of prosperity is the peace of your ability to identify in Jesus Christ as Him being your Lord, your high priest, and your God. The peace of prosperity brings about the ability for you to operate in total identification with Him as the man of grace with Him as, listen to this now, for you to be able to operate in Him, understanding that if He is eternal, you are eternal. That's what identification of covenant does. Because the identification of covenant says that whatever He is, I am. And if He is strong and I am weak, and I am in agreement with Him, Guess what I am? I'm strong. Let the weak say what? I am strong. So whatever he is, I am. That's what the identifying process is. And when it comes down to covenant, he's saying to you that you're weak. He told Paul, I'm weak. He said, you are weak, Paul. But guess what I am? I'm strong. And because you and I live in covenant relationships, because you don't have what i have but you have come into my covenant of prosperity you're no longer weak because when they hear my name they include you they include what it is that i am as being you as well that's the beautiful thing of co- that's what makes you prosper that's what makes you have peace that passes all understanding that's what brings you into the knowledge that his mercy endures forever and he has lived to provide me with the mercy of his strength so that when i don't have it all in one row things don't look like they're going my way I have the covenant of his prosperity. And he, thank God, doesn't change. He is not a man that he can lie. His thoughts are not our thoughts and our way, our ways are not his ways. Now watch that, because that makes it sound like God is way up there. And you are way down here. But the truth of the matter is, if he thought a thought, you can find out what he thinks you can seek him until you get his thoughts why because you're in covenant with him and that identification with him allows you to come in to what he is thinking by seeking him and if you seek him the bible said he you, he will be found of you. If you ask of him, he will hear you because he hears the righteous. If you knock, look, it shall be opened. So his ways are not past your finding out. His thoughts are not so far above yours that you can't know what God is doing. His ways are not so far beyond you. How do I know that? Because he has identified... The one who has made the covenant with us and said, if he is eternal, so are you. If that's his way, if that's his thought, then it belongs to you as well. Watch what else he said. He said, if he is a creator, then so are you if he ever has spoken a word in season that has caused something to be created at his command, and you are in him by covenant, then the strength of command and creativity is as much in you as it is in him. That is what covenant is, friend. When you have a weakness, if he has a strength, His strength takes over your weakness. Now, let me show it to you. Can I show it to you? So we go out to teach our children how to play baseball. Okay? Now, they can't track a ball at their age, two, three years old. But every one of us that have had a kid put a ball bat in his hand. And we stood back like this and we said, now hit the ball. And we would no more release the ball until they'd be swinging away. And they wouldn't come close to the ball. And we would say, now keep your eye on the ball. And they would look intently at the ball. All the while, they can't see the ball. Because their eye can't track that little object at that age. And they, we pitch the ball. And they swing with all their might. And the ball goes dribble, dribble, dribble behind them. And we say, go get the ball. And they run back and they pick up the ball and they make a feeble attempt to throw it because they don't know how to do that either. Finally, we get a wise act and we say, now, he's weak. We got to show him how to hit the ball. So what do we do? Raise your hand if you've ever done this. You get mama and you say, mama, come here. You play pitcher. And we get behind little buddy, and we hold the bat in his hand. Now his eyes are looking at the ball. He can't see it. My eyes are looking at the ball. And when the ball comes, we take his hands that are too weak, and my eyes that are strong, and we pow! We hit the ball, and we say, run to first base. He don't know where first base is. He takes off running, and you say, run to second base, and he's running around not knowing where he's going. Then you say, come to home, and it's like, where's home? Am I going in the house? Come to me, come to me, this is home. And they run up to you, and you say, good job. That's the way to hit the ball. You say to mama, now, mama, you go ahead now. I I, I think I got him taught. He stands up there with his hat on crooked. You pitch the ball to him. What happens? And the ball goes backwards because he's weak. His eyes can't do it yet. But as soon as you put your hands on it and apply your eyes to it, you know what you just did? you created a covenant. That covenant is where you are strong. You made up for where he was weak. Now, is he always going to be weak? Are his eyes always going to not be able to track them all? No. The older he gets, the more his eyes grow, the better he will be able to do those finite things. Well, the covenant of God works in the same way where the things that you are weak, let me tell you things that you're weak in. You are weak in your flesh. Your flesh has desires, ambitions, ideas, and goals that make you weak. So you often get stumbled up in things that look good to your eye, but your eye cannot track the outcome. Your eye cannot track the outcome. Well, it looks good, it feels good, it tastes good. You notice today I got my coat button, don't you? I've had a lot of eye candy in my life. cause I see things that I think taste good, and I say, well, you know, if I just eat one today, it won't hurt me. Huh? We all have done that. We can't track the outcome of how what we're about to do is going to impact our flesh. I'm walking around today, with a little limp in my right knee, because I got a floated cartilage in my right knee. Matter of fact, I got two of them. Guess what? I couldn't see the outcome of being an athlete. I'm now 65 years old, and I can feel the outcome. I couldn't track what it would do to me then, because all I wanted to do was play. But now at 65, I can tell you all about it. I can tell you where all the hits were, when they happened, how it happened, why I'm hurt, why my body's reacting that way. But whenever my flesh wanted to play, I couldn't track the outcome. That's the way you are. That's why we are weak. We can't track the outcome of our flesh. But if we get in covenant with Him and we identify Him, we will stop looking to our flesh as the director of what it is we really think we want, what it is we know we want, and we will turn ourselves over like Paul did and say, wherever I am and in whatever condition I am, I will abound and be a base because my God shall supply all my need according to His riches and glory. And He is the God of whom I can do all things, meaning controlling my wants, my desires, my flesh, and my weaknesses so that I can say I will rejoice in the Lord and in the grace that He provides me. See, these things are things that we don't look at as weaknesses. We don't take them into consideration because we live in the moment. We can't track the outcome. Let me tell you where else we're weak. We're weak in the understanding of the application of God's word. We're weak in the ability to read God's word and get the revelation out of it. Now, where does revelation come from? What causes you to be able to identify with the word of God? What is the real in-depth answer to why the word of God can be applied to me in revelation? Well, the answer to that is in the Holy Spirit. So as the Holy Spirit identifies in me what the Word of God is attempting to teach me, and it comes out of my uh, intellect, and it's not just something that I'm reading because I'm reading it with no spiritual influence or input. The Word of God can give me insight, concepts, and ideas of which I don't know about the Word of God that I can apply directly to my life. What is causing that? The covenant. The man that is stronger than me is applying his word to my life. He's giving me revelation. What what about prayer? Prayer is something we're weak in. Someone said, yeah, but I pray a lot. No, no. You may talk a, a lot, but you don't spend time in prayer appropriately until you understand how to get into the throne room of God. Now, there is a difference. Let me show you. If I'm going to identify with the process of the covenant, then there are nine steps that I have to go through. I'll show you those in just a minute. Why were there nine steps to the covenant? And how does that have to do with prayer? Because the covenant was a process whereby this began and it started out with the exchange of uh, uh, clothes, the exchange of weapons, the cutting of the covenant, the exchange of scars the memorial meal, all of those nine steps, I'll show them to you again in a moment. Now, as we go to prayer, however, we often go to prayer and we simply start talking to God. Someone said you need to talk to God like He is your friend and your brother and that He is standing right beside of you. Well, that sounds good. That sounds easy. But I want to remind you, many of you don't even talk to your wives that way. Many of you don't talk to your husbands that way. And virtually all of us don't talk to our children that way. So we are not good at just friendly conversation, even with those that are closest to us in the flesh. Now, God has prescribed a process that you have to identify with if you're going to come into the depths of prayer and make prayer effective for you. If he prescribed a covenant process, then prayer also has a process. You say, well, now, wait a minute. When I wanted something from my daddy, I went in and I said, Dad, I want so-and-so. And you know what my dad would say? How much is it going to cost? And if it costs more than I got in my pocket and change, you ain't getting it. So we don't talk to our dad that way. We don't go in and just demand things from our daddy. We don't go in and demand things from our mama. We don't do that. We may go in and humbly ask, and it may take a long while for them to get back to you. So much time that you get frustrated with it, and most of the time, as you as parents know, you, you have this in your mind. I ain't going to answer them, and they'll forget about it. Huh? Now, everybody's laughing, but you know it's true. If I don't answer them today, they'll forget about it because their mind will go on to something else that they will find more important than what it is they're asking me about today. But there, So, so in, in the process of God, to identify with Him, we have to understand how to get to Him and the identification process and the covenant process is the means whereby that occurs. So as we come into prayer and we come through all of the phases of the names and identities of the character of Jesus Christ, we begin to understand that we can actually get into the throne room of God because the writer of the book of Hebrews told us we could. But we have been taught that we can just ramble in and ramble out whenever we want to. That ain't the truth, friend. Prayer doesn't work that way. We don't ramble in and out of God with a handful of things, flop them on the table and say, I want this, 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 and this. And here is the order I want to me. I want you to do this for me now, this for me tomorrow, this for me in a week, this for me in a month, this for me in a year. Bless God, I'll see you later. And hey, don't forget, Jesus died for me. That's the way we pray. That's not the way we identify with the covenant activity. So when we understand their five names and their ten characteristics of Jesus Christ, all of them apply to us in covenant relationship. The name Jesus Christ, our high priest, our Lord, and our God, all apply to us. They are the means whereby we get into the throne room of God. The ten characteristics that make Jesus applicable to us in covenant relationship are all things that when we get in there, we can say, I'm eternal, just like He is, because He made me that way. I'm creative, just like He is, because He made me that way. I am personal to you, just like He is, because I am in Christ Jesus. I am life, just like He is because He is the Spirit of life, and I have come into Him, and He has given me the promise of both life and prosperity, according to Paul. Well, now I am light, this light that uh, Paul said, that took me out of darkness into His glorious light, and into the kingdom of His dear Son. I am light just like He is. Everywhere I go, I shed the light of Jesus Christ. Everything I do, the light comes out of me. I have identified with him. I am saved, sanctified, full of the Holy Spirit. I have the ability to walk and to talk in the Spirit. And I have the ability to allow his light to shine through me. Because he said that my light should not be hidden under a bucket, right? My light should be able to shine. So if he was light, then guess what I am? I'm like to. If he illuminates, guess who I am by the process of identification? I am also illumination. How do I illuminate? I, I, Now watch this. I become a witness unto him who is endued with the power of the Holy Spirit to go throughout the world, which means I go first across the strait to tell somebody about Jesus Christ. See, this covenant of peace is a covenant of prosperity that allows me to identify directly, unmistakably, without question, to Jesus Christ, my high priest, my Lord and my God, to the extent that as He is, so am I in this world therefore greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world and therefore greater works can i do because he has gone to my father how come Because I can identify directly with him and I am in covenant with him because he made the covenant and engrafted me in by the force of the cross. His death, his resurrection, his being the high priest. Him being the Lord and Him being the man in the Godhead. I am directly related. I am directly related. Then He didn't stop there, of course. He said that He would be salvation. So if He would be salvation, so am I. Now watch this now. What did he Habakkuk say about salvation? What did Habakkuk say about the one who would step on the neck of the devil from the foundation to the neck? What did he say? He said that you, in salvation, in Yeshua, the salvation of God, would be as much in him to step on the neck of the devil as he stepped on the neck of the devil. Now, our flesh doesn't get that. <laughs> our flesh doesn't get that. Because we are still now, want to stop right here and tell you this. Now, watch closely what I'm about to say. You are a two-party person. You're a two-party person. You have in you, Two spirits. You have the natural man. The natural man is a man full of the flesh. Paul wrote about that in Galatians chapter 5. He said there are 17 works of the flesh. You remember that? You're a person that has all 17 opportunities that will wrap itself and mask itself in the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. That's you. You have that in you. We often hear people call it what? The sin nature, right? You have that in you. Every man that has been born since the fall has that in you. But you're a person of another spirit. You're a person of another life. Paul told us in Colossians chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, that there is a mystery that's been hidden through the ages from the foundation of the world, and that is? Christ in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So you're a person of two parties. Now Jesus said no man can serve two masters. What's he talking about? He used the idea of money. No man can serve two masters. You're not a person that could serve Boast the sin nature, the spirit of sin, which is the spirit of death that Paul talks about in Romans chapter 8, and the spirit of life. You cannot serve them both. You cannot have them both. You will only serve one. You cannot part time serve one. And part-time serve, that's what the world is doing right now. Churches are full today of people that are part-time. I call them those that live a dual life. Those that are living a dual life. They're living one life outside the walls of the house of God in sin. And they're coming to the house of God on Sunday with a nice dress on and a nice suit on and bringing their family and kids sitting under the word of God and many of them shouting, raising their hands and saying, yes, amen, to the preacher. And that's the only spiritual part of them that they ever live. Because when they get out in the world, they do their own thing. They live a dual life. But you cannot live that dual life. One nature has to override the other. Now here is the beauty of what God is doing, my friend. When God saved you in the work of Jesus Christ, He gave you the opportunity to come and identify with Jesus Christ in every step of the way. But we don't teach that in the world of Christianity today. We teach the cross. We teach the cross. The cross is all the answer. Well, it is if you stay in Isaiah 53. Huh? Listen to me now. If you stay in Isaiah 53, the cross is everything you need. That means, of course, you will revert back to the straying sheep. Huh. What? That means you'll revert back to the straying sheep. That means you'll continue to find the man of sorrows who's acquainted with grief. Whose grief is he going to be acquainted with, preacher? Well, he's going to be acquainted with the one who reverts back to the things that were required from the cross. Transgression, iniquity, loss of peace, the physical stripes of healing for your uh, spiritual and physical life. If you revert back to that, you're going to stay in Isaiah 53. But Isaiah's prophecy did not stay in 53. He moved to 54. And in 54, he began to talk about a barren people who had paid no price, but a price was paid for them. And that Christ brought about a covenant, the key verse of Isaiah 54 to the people of God. And he said, those people that have come out of away from the cross have moved into a covenant. What is that covenant pastor? It's a covenant of life. It's a covenant of strength. It's a covenant of prosperity. It's a covenant of peace. It's a covenant of joy. It's a covenant of the glory of God. It's a covenant of the spirit of truth that is in Christ Jesus. Jesus! Ha! Yeah, there's something different from 53 to 54. There's a deeper identity from 53 to 54. Yeah, there's something more than what happened in 53. Hmm, you say, hmm, mind me of Arsenio Hall. Hmm. I never thought of that. See, there's something deeper. There's something more. There's something bigger. There's something greater. There's something more involved than what happened at the cross. He said there's a covenant, and that covenant is going to bring you great peace because it is going to be encompassed wrapped in great mercy. He said, and when you get in that covenant, you're going to live in great salvation. What is that salvation going to do, pastor? It's going to give you the ability to step on the devil from the foundation to his neck. Why, pastor? Because you related your life to Jesus Christ, the high priest, and the Lord. Now many of us would say, why does his lordship have anything to do with this? Because it is because of his lordship that he said these words, all power and all authority is given to me in heaven and earth. It is because of his lordship that he said, teaching all to observe my commands. It is because of this lordship that he said, And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. It is because of this lordship that he said to you that if you will learn to use my name and identify with me correctly, You will cast down devils, speak with new tongues. Nothing inside you or outside you will ever hurt you. Everyone you lay hands on will recover. And I will go about doing the thing the church requires which is to confirm what I have said and bring it to pass with signs and miracles. And the Bible said that then he was seated at the right hand of God and said, not only have I spoken it as Jesus Christ, the high priest, and the Lord, I'm now seated at the right hand of God as the man in the Godhead that says, I guarantee that what I have said is coming to pass because I'm sending the Holy Spirit to ensure that it does. Oh, my God. This is what we identify with. This is who we are. This is who we should be. This is who we could be. This was the pattern and plan of God to his people. Listen what he said. You are my people, and I am your God. There's a process here of communication. There's a process of covenant that brings you prosperity. Someone said, "Well, does it put money in my hands?" Well it can't. But that's not the prosperity we're talking about. Our world today wants to make everything physical. We're not talking we, we, we're not talking about a God that can't. We're talking about a God that says that if you will get your spiritual self right with me, if you will give to me, then you will receive. From me and i'm going to teach on that from philippians chapter 4 coming up pretty soon because that's pretty deep that's pretty good stuff we don't understand giving and receiving we don't understand what paul meant when he taught about giving and receiving but there's a message in there that we need to understand he said if you'll give to me what give yourself give your prayer give your time give your give you influence give you money It's a package. It's a pattern. It's a way of doing things. This is what Paul learned as he taught the Philippians. We've got to give ourselves to God. This is a spiritual thing. God has promised us that. Now, watch, he knows the hairs on your head, he knows the thoughts that you think, he knows the intentions of your heart, he knows everything. There's nothing, the Bible said, that is hidden from him, right down to the very bones and marrow that make up who you are. Now, he also knows whether in your inner makeup is the identification of the covenant of peace that comes through the names of Jesus Christ. Now, I have to finish this real quick. He said he was salvation. Then he said he was glory said three more things about himself that that is the same for you. Now, Jesus told the disciples in John 17, he said, my glory I give to you. Now look, if he has promised his own glory and his own self to you, then you are living and walking in the glory of God, in Christ Jesus. You are... Who he is. That's what the word of God said, didn't it? As he is, so are we in this world. You are who he is. So identify with that. Identify with the glory. Now, someone said, Well, Pastor, where are you getting all of these traits of Jesus? Right out of John chapter 1. I wrote a whole book about them. Then he said, I am grace. So what are you? You have become grace. You have become the proponent, the initiator, the imitator as you follow him. Then he said that he is truth. So what are you? Living in truth. Now watch. You remember the two parties I told you about? The sin nature cannot express the ten Character traits of Jesus Christ. So when your flesh jumps up and it wants to begin to tell you it's time to get angry, it's time to say something that is harsh. It's time for you to do something about it, get mad about it, take charge of it, cause you are. Can okay, nobody treat you that way? Should nobody be talking to you that way? you're grown, shouldn't be that way, nope. you have no business putting up with that and your flesh says, uh-huh, yep, yeah, you're right, that's right. And so you go out and you begin to start talking and doing and saying things that are making your flesh absolutely feel like you could run over a, a, a troop, jump over a troop, and run through a wall all the while. The real you on the inside knowing that ain't so. And you're going to back up what it's all said and done and say, oh Lord, what have I done? But the flesh is raised up. And now you are living, you're operating, you're functioning at the moment in the flesh. But there is another operation of God. There is another operation of God. That operation of God is the operation of grace. Years ago, I had a football player who did something he shouldn't have done. And I was ready to kick him off the football team. Everything in me said, I don't want this guy in my program. He's not good for my program. And so I'm going to send him home. I'm just going to send him home. I ain't going to mess with him no more. And when he comes in my office, I'm going to slam my fist on the table, and I'm going to show him who's boss. Bless God. I'm the head coach here. You do what I tell you to do when I tell you to do it, how I tell you to do it, the way I tell you to do it. You grin and act like you like it because this belongs to me. He walked in my room, my office. I'll never forget it as long as I live. He sat down. His eyes looked droopy. His face was turned upside down and the Holy Spirit said to me, show some grace. I sat and stared at him because I couldn't believe what I was hearing. said, show some grace. And I said to myself, I can't run this program that way. I can't be, no. If I let him get away with it, everybody's going to want to get away with it. Then what? Now then I got a program run amok with children doing their own thing. And that ain't happening in my program. The Holy Spirit said, show some grace. Ducked my head, and I looked across the table at the poor boy. It looked like he had just eaten a whole box of lemons. I said, son, you realize what you did? He never looked at me and said, yes, coach. I said, son, you realize that I should send you home. That's what you deserve. Because you knew better. You knew I don't tolerate this. You knew I would not allow you to act like that. He said, yes, sir. I knew it. He started to rustle in his chair like he was going to get up and go ahead and leave. I said, sit there. Sit there. I said, I'm going to show you something that was shown to me. I said, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. I once was steeped in sin, following my flesh, appeasing myself and satisfying myself as if I was the most important person in the world. I said, you're doing the same thing. You forgot about those other 80 people that were on this football program. You forgot about the position it would put me in because you were going out doing your own thing, and now here you sit, and you are at my mercy. But I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. And I said, son, I want to show you grace. I want to give you grace today he looked up popped his head up at me and his eyes got great big i said i'm going to show you grace today and i'm not going to send you home i'm going to let you stay i'm not going to accept your sin i'm going to let you stay because i'm going to give you something you don't deserve I'm going to give you your career and your education. And I'm going to show you what Christ would do. How do I know that? Because that's what He did for me. He looked up at me with eyes of joy. And I said, now here's all I ask for you. I said, when these children ask you why you're still here, when these children say, why didn't He send you home? Don't stand in front of them and flex yourself up and say, because I'm too good. I'm too important. The team needs me. He knew better than to send me home. Say these words to him. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I needed grace. I needed a chance. I needed some hope. And coach looked at me through the eyes of love. That player went on to play for me, graduate. He's now out in California doing splendidly. Called me up a couple years ago. Said, coach, you're the greatest man I've ever known. I said, no, I'm not. But I know the greatest man you've ever known. Grace, all grace. See, you are grace you are grace you can identify with grace you can know grace and you can experience grace and you can give grace the process of identification that comes through the covenant of peace gives you the ability to prosper prosper that prosperity slides over now into influence I can influence others. I can tell others about what happened to me. I can bring them to the spirit of truth, whereby they can see how grace has influenced my life. You see, as I close, our lives have a process, our lives have a pattern, our lives have a covenant. He is the God of covenant. And when we identify correctly, guess where we can live in peace? in peace if i was to say to every one of you if you could have a million dollars or you could have peace most of your flesh would jump up and say give me a million dollars and you know what you would live in the same struggle and turmoil that the wealthy and the rich live in they have no peace but if i could say to you you could have peace and have a god that you can do all things through, who will supply all of your needs according to His riches and glory, and you could grab that in your spirit and identify with it, and you could live in the prosperity of that peace, knowing that every step of your life has been supplied, will be supplied whenever you become obedient to the operation of grace, Wouldn't that really be what you would want? Wouldn't that really be what you would like to identify with? If it is, that's what God is giving the church. And that's what God is giving you. Bow your head and close your eyes. Father, we thank you for the word of God. I pray, God, that you will minister the truth of this message to your people. Minister peace to those that require the ministry of the covenant. Minister to them, God. In their spirit, Father, open their eyes to wisdom, understanding, knowledge, and revelation that is in the truth. Open their eyes. Open their eyes so that they can see. If they can identify with what they are seeing in their spirit right now, the words that have been spoken, if they can identify by faith in what they've heard from the word, the Rama word of God, if they can identify with that in their spirit right now, then they can live in the covenant pattern and every step of their life can be brought about in peace that becomes the prosperity of peace that causes them to know that you are supplying every need according to their, your riches and glory. If they can identify, if they can see that. Now, Father, I ask you as they pray to simply allow them to say, Lord, I've heard the word of God today. It resonates with me because I see truth in it. I am spiritually the little kid with the ball bat. I am weak, but you are strong. I, I recognize that. I am the child that needs grace. Release that in me. I receive today I receive your plan and your pattern to bring me into complete identification with Jesus Christ, my high priest, my Lord, and my God, who has made me eternal, creative, personal, life, light, illumination, salvation, glory, grace, and truth. He's made me all those things. I identify with that today. I am that. I am that. I am that. I am what Jesus has done for me. As I am as much righteous as he is. As I am an equal heir to the throne of God as he is. As I am a royal lineage of the priesthood as he is. As I am a peculiar people because of him. As I am a holy people because of him. I am and I receive it today. It belongs to me. It belongs to me. Now I not you stand to your feet and raise your hand and receive it. Father, we receive it today. The Word of God has been given. The Word of God has been given. It's been given as a plan from ancients. The foundation of the world, the Christ is in me, the hope of glory. That the Holy Spirit is working in me to bring me to the knowledge and understanding of the truth that is in Jesus Christ. I raise my hands and take it. I raise my hands and agree with it. It's a covenant that belongs to me. It's a covenant that belongs to me. My peace is produced in me because I am in Christ Jesus. I take it. I take it. I take it. Say it. I take it. I take that pattern of of peace. I live in that pattern of promise. I live in identity with who He is. As He is, so am I in this world. And if you will be that way in this world, you will also be that way in the world to come. Why? Because He is eternal and so are you. I take it. It's mine. I will live in it. I will think in it. I will talk in it. I will walk in it. I will do every day as that pattern of living in Jesus has been produced. I receive it. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Now, I want to speak to those of you on the media outreaches. If you don't know Jesus, I want you to know Him today as a personal Savior. You can do that. The cross has produced that for you. If you're living in sin, lawlessness, wickedness, lack of peace, and you're looking for the stripes that shed the blood for healing, it's very simple. Call on the name of the Lord and be saved. How do I do it, Pastor? I simply ask Him into my heart. I say, Lord, forgive me. I'm a sinner. I want to know you today as the Jesus of the cross, I want to bury my flesh. I want to know you today as the Lord that is resurrected from the dead, and I want a new spirit in me. Father, forgive me. I'm a sinner. I accept you. I receive you. I take you into my life. And if you've done that, then, my friend, let me tell you you're a new creature in Christ Jesus, you're a new creature in Him. Now what do we do do next? Well, we find ourselves a place to teaching the Word of God. And if you can't find one, then listen to us. See us through all of our media outreaches. We'll show you the path and the pattern. Then I want to speak to those who are saved today but have heard something new from the Word of God they've never heard before. And I want to tell you, this plan and this pattern is as real to you as it is to us. It belongs to you as much as it belongs to us. It is God's prescribed method for you to come into the covenant relationship of peace. All you have to do is hear the Word of God and let faith build in your heart. It's not a difficult thing, but it is a walk that must be walked. Father, I pray for those today that are hearing the Word of God, those that have just been saved and those that are going to be saved for those that are hearing the word of truth that are christians that are coming into the plan of god to walk in the pattern of god so that we and they can be as he is so are we in this world minister to them today in jesus name god bless you for hearing the word of god we're glad to have you with us listen Be blessed today, walk in peace, and walk in the prosperity that has been given you by God. Amen and amen. God bless you until we meet again.